In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You may be seated. Just to preface before I begin my sermon, I will be alternating between two Johns as I speak, John the Baptist and John the Apostle. If I get them confused, please stop and correct me. I'll try, and I'll try to keep them straight as long as you help me keep them straight. John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, This is he of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. This statement by John the Baptist, as quoted by John the Apostle in chapter 1 of the Gospel of John, is a riddle. How can the person who comes after John be the same person who is before John? This is a riddle which can't be solved rationally because there is no rational explanation. It can only be revealed. He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. On its face, this is the opposite of what we might expect. After should be better than what comes before. But John says he is surpassed because of what comes before. John doesn't say his life is so much better that things are really great because he's met Jesus. Quite the opposite. John says he must increase, I must decrease because he came before me. The trajectory of John's life was downward. As ours should be, downward, Merry Christmas. <laughs> when we receive the Christmas gift of Jesus, this is what happens to our lives. Like John, our way is down. It's not always climb, climb up, sunshine mountain, heavenly breezes blow. In John 3, John the Baptist puts it this way, the bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine, John says, and is now complete. Jesus gets the bride. John maybe gets a bridesmaid and he's thrilled. John would have had a completely different approach, though, if Jesus had only come after him. But because Jesus comes both before and after John, John's life is subsumed in Jesus' life. But John's life is not consumed by Jesus' life. John experiences the sweet pain of a life linked with Jesus, the revelation and the confusion in the dark. We are familiar with before and after scenarios as a metaphor for the way our lives should go. The show, The Biggest Loser, ironically named, was the ultimate before-after triumph and a mirror of our culture and our insatiable desire for relentless self-improvement. What iteration of the iPhone are we on now? I, I don't know. I've got a five or a six. <laughs> Amazon one-day shipping. Soon they will have something at your door before you know you want it. And when you see it, you will know you always wanted it. <laughs> LeBron James is better in his post-prime than he was in his prime or his pre-prime. That's three primes, like Amazon Prime. Charles Duhigg wrote a book he titled Smarter, Faster, Better. It's what we expect, relentless improvement, always on the ascendancy, always becoming a better version of ourselves before and after. At Christmas, it's good to consider John the Baptist, of whom Jesus says there is no one greater, no room for improvement, no ascending, only a descent. 
All through Advent and in our Christmas 1 passage, John 1, where there, where there is Jesus, there is John. And some commentaries that I read in preparation for this sermon consider these verses about John the Baptist an intrusion into the exalted poetic language of John 1. There was a man called John sent from God to herald the way for the other man sent from God. John meets Jesus and there is turbulence a perfect storm of the best of created man, meeting and introducing God become man. Consider John the Baptist before and after. Before John was at the pinnacle of what Judaism idealized, normal Israelites revered John but didn't want to live like him. It was way too hard. Before he met Jesus, John was an ascetic, a fire-breathing prophet, a man of the earth and not much more than the earth except for his revelations from heaven. He was clothed in camel hair, a diet of locusts, and he was not allowed to have any wine to wash the locusts down. He lives in the wilderness and bathes in river water. He practiced what he preached, which was repentance and baptism for the remission of sin. The takeaway of John the Baptist's message was that the Messiah would not only forgive your sins, but take them away. He would carry them and bear their burden. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. John's entire life was given to preparing the way for Jesus. That's Advent. The last and best prophet of the old era must then herald in the new era, which is not just the next era, but an entire new way of life, a new society governed by the new covenant without religious hierarchy and social status, where we are, as Paul says, all one in Christ Jesus. This is the new life that lifts us even as we go low. Where the least are the greatest and the greatest the least. And John is not the voice. He's only a voice, a messenger. And for this, John was richly rewarded with wealth, long life, and a profound sense of well-being. Happily ever after, right? No. John's after is a dungeon, darkness, and death. And all this after he met Jesus, not all dewy-eyed, welcoming the baby Jesus, but the God-man Jesus, and John thundering, incoming, repent. For all this devotion, John was locked in a dungeon and then brutally executed by the king and the first lady of Judea. Two weeks ago, I believe it was two weeks ago, Father Martin preached from Matthew on John the Baptist, asking from that dungeon, are you the one who is to come? John struggles to reconcile his desperate reality with his high-minded revelation from God. And those mysterious words of John the Baptist in the river, as recorded by the Apostle John, this is he, rings a little bit hollow in the cell, in the dungeon of the imprisoned John. Are you he? Are you the one? And what does Jesus say to John's disciples? Tell John, I am the one who came before you. I am with you in your darkness, the light in your darkness, John and Jesus are in parallel tracks. What happens to John also happens to Jesus. So in some ways, Jesus' life is subsumed in John's. Amazing. Only the difference is Jesus' tracks, Jesus' tracks extend from before our time and after our time and descends from before time, outside of time, comes into our beginning. In the beginning was the Word and takes us beyond our end. No matter how much better our after is than our before in the flesh, how much better we are, it's not good enough because it will not last. Which is why we need Jesus at Christmas. 
If John the Baptist is an intrusion into John 1, Jesus is the far greater intrusion into the text, into all of Scripture, into our lives, who gives us infinitely more than we think we want and more than we think we can give. And in our Christmas text, the best of humanity must then give way to the Logos, the word which created humanity, the Logos who is a stranger and alien among humanity, not because Jesus is strange, but because we have become estranged from the life and light of the world. Jesus is not easy to receive, so different is he from us. The Christmas gift we sometimes least want but most need. When we ate the fruit of the knowledge, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, evil, we fell far from the tree of life, which is God himself. Jesus on the tree, Jesus become the tree. In the beginning, God. And we got stuck in the beginning so that God, who was before our beginning, had to send himself into our beginning and take us into life after our end. And in the darkness, John the Baptist trusted the one who came before him. That's how we live in our darkness, when our after is not better than our before. Or sometimes when our after is better than our before, and we can't go back and fix our mistakes from before. I wish to God the after me could go back and fix the helpless and hopeless mistakes of the before me, to redeem them and rescue the ones who suffered from my mistakes. Like John, I have to trust in the light of the world who takes away all sin and redeems our worst mistakes and restores our humanity and our estranged relationships. John was not the light, neither are we. Together we are bearers of the light and not its source, thank God. The darkness is in us, but not in him, and we welcome the light into our darkness. At Christmas then, as in Advent, we still live in anticipation between the light and the darkness of the first coming and the final apocalypse when the light of the world lights up the whole world and all will be revealed and all will be healed and all will be well. Until then, you see what Brad has done in the bulletin cover, two mothers holding two babies. Until then, a mother and child, a mother lives and dies in the vulnerability of love for her child and trust the God who gave her that child. Until then, we are nightlights, providing just enough light to see the way forward and also anticipating the full light of morning when nightlights are needed no more. Bob Dylan wrote a song I love and can't love at the same time. It's not dark yet, that's the refrain. It's not dark yet, but it's getting there. I think Dylan had his dark and light mixed up. I would say it's not light yet, but it's getting there. Until then, you don't have to light up the world. You don't have to light up even someone else's life. Simply be a light in anticipation of the light to come. Jesus, Holy Spirit, burning soft and low in your heart. Every act of goodness inspired by God's Spirit is oxygen to that little flame and anticipates the light of Jesus coming in all his glory. Fleming Rutledge writes about a friend of hers who sent her an email. She had been grieving for her husband who died unexpectedly in his early 50s. And this friend of Fleming Rutledge's wrote, Holidays are a challenge for me. My husband loved Christmas, and his birthday was December 22nd. Advent is my favorite time. 
I love the darkness and the anticipation of the promise to be fulfilled. This is one of the best descriptions of Advent and Christmas that I've ever read. Even with our wounds still raw and unhealed, we can love the darkness because it reminds us of the contrast between what is and what is promised. And it reminds us of the faithfulness of the one whom both Johns proclaimed, the one who comes before and after us, who is our before and after, the light who overcomes our darkness. Amen.